forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. What sins have you committed? <laughs> well... Hey everyone, welcome to Forgive Me, Father, a podcast where we discuss how certain aspects of life and a walk with God go together or don't mesh so well. Through discussions of personal vices and victories, we hope to help you, the listener, understand others more and create conversations, no matter what you've experienced or believe. But speaking of ghostly activity and stuff, I've been watching this BuzzFeed Unsolved Mysteries of the Paranormal. What? Oh my gosh, Um, like Shane and Ryan? Yeah, yeah. I've been watching it on Hulu recently. Oh my gosh, I love them. I just found it because like, I want to find something that's not comedy based that I've seen already, like New Girl, but also not anime, which is kind of the only two genres I go into. Oh, yeah. Uh, So I like found them somehow because I think I saw a meme online one time and I was like, okay, that's clever. And so I like just ended up checking it out. And so me and my roommate have been watching it like over dinner and stuff. And it's been pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. They're funny together. They're just so opposite from each other and mm. what they believe. It's just completely opposite. I think that makes it work though. Oh yeah, for sure. If they were both scared, you know, that would be, I don't know. It's just cool to have Shane's perspective too, because he's mm-hmm. a big skeptic. Have you seen the episodes where they have the flashlights and then mm-hmm. use the flashlights to communicate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious to me because Shane, like even when he was like asking questions and the light would flash, he's like, uh, he's like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> even if there's like a small, slight chance of proof, he's just like, no. Yeah. I feel like that's how I am with like other things, like other than the supernatural. Cause I think I already have this disposition that the supernatural is real you know, obviously like Christianity and stuff. But I feel like most other things, if something happens, I'm like, no, nah. And I'm like a little too logical about it. I'm not exactly open to, I'm not exactly open to being wrong about certain stuff, but. What about aliens? Oh yeah. Aliens exist. Aliens definitely exist. Really? You think so? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely want to believe that aliens exist. I think they do. I think, I think, if aliens exist, it's like just tiny, like microbial life or something. I don't know. It's just oh, hard. That's to... no fun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> for me to believe it. I don't know why, but yeah, I think I, and I feel like most extraterrestrial life or like supernatural life or you know the undead or whatever it is is not going to be the same way that Hollywood depicts it. Because I was talking about this with a friend, and we were mm-hmm. so- talking about how with literature creatures like you think of like dracula doctor or like frankenstein's creature zombies and stuff like that like even harry potter i think which already may have had like a hollywood type of touch to it when rowling was first writing it or rowling however you say it it's never like the actual literature and so i feel like if aliens were to exist in spirits if those groups of creatures or existences were to reveal themselves i feel like it wouldn't be like we see in movies or like we see in tv shows it would be completely different yeah. Like even Satan, like I feel like his appearance is wouldn't be like that devil with the horns and like no. the red tent. You know, it would be a very welcoming presence because yeah. that's temptation, you know, and he's the essence of mm-hmm. temptation. Yeah, he'd probably be really handsome. And, I don't know, just you wouldn't think that that's an evil person. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to Forgive Me, Father. And today what we're going to be talking about is mental health, but from the perspective of someone who has left a church, yet still has to deal with the thoughts and the fears that comes with thinking about the afterlife when a church can condemn someone who dies outside of being a Christian. Or if that church is exclusive, what that means for that person if they are no longer a part of that church, whether it be hell, whether it be purgatory, or any other punishments that can come from that. Those things can have lasting effects. So Katie Slusser is joining us today. Hi. Hey. (laughs) And Katie and I go way back, even with regards to religion, because with the church that you and I were part of, Katie, you were the the first person to invite me out, and you were my first real friend there. Yeah, I was. Yep. That's crazy. So long ago. So long ago, we, so we actually met in a non-religious setting 
uh, one of my really good friends growing up. We went to a football game in another town. It wasn't, it wasn't even yeah. the town that we grew up in, <laughs> but he was going to meet with a friend and then you and I were kind of like the tag along friends. We were just yeah. friends of friends. And so they were hanging out and we were just like, cool. So I guess like, we'll just talk. <laughs> yeah. um, and I remember we talked and we just like exchanged numbers and, you know, we were friends and stuff like that. And then we lost contact for a little bit and then we reconnected when uh, I was going through a lot a little bit before my yeah. junior year. And that's when our friendship, I would say like really actually began because that's when we actually really started yeah. having deep talks about stuff other than like high school, like, Hey, sports TV. <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I might've been a freshman at the time, but yeah, we, I mean, we've known each other for like over 10 years, I guess now. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. That's so wild time. to me. <laughs> so yeah. Cause I was going into my junior year, 2009, so that's 11 years ago. We had met two a year prior. Sorry, a, a year, year prior. Yeah. Yeah. So we met in 2008. So we've known each other for about 12, 12 years. years, almost 12 years. <laughs> How yeah, old are crazy. we? Golly. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Wow. But Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and share your life experiences and jump into really important themes that I think a lot of people can relate to or maybe even have questions about or can learn from your experience when it comes to mental health and how it ties yeah. into God and religion. So why don't you give us a little, a little background about you and uh, just a little, a little look-see into, into your walk with God up to, you know, the points that we're going to talk about. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Katie Susser. Um, I'm 26 years old. Currently I'm a stay-at-home mom and a little bit about my religious background. Um, I was raised to believe in God, but I rarely went to church. And I was raised by my grandparents, so we, we never really went to church, but raised to believe in God. And I met my one of my best friends in middle school. Uh, she was going to the ICOC. Her parents were members of the ICOC Church, uh, or International Churches of Christ. And she invited me out, and they were actually at a hotel. So I, I thought that was kind of strange, a little strange, mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, I went out and I fell in love with everyone and the people and the atmosphere. And, and so I started studying the Bible and then I became baptized at 15 and I started to feel like something wasn't right. And my family started to feel like something wasn't right with the church, but I loved everyone. Everyone was great. So I continued to go for a few more years until I left the ICOC in 2011 when I was 17. And after that, I never really went back to church. I just felt like I couldn't because I kind of learned while I was in the church that it was like the true church, the one and only church. So I kind of steered away from going, but I still consider myself spiritual. I still believe in God in an afterlife, but I'm just confused now, I guess uh, you could mm -hmm. say. So that's just a brief explanation of where I am now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I are, are kind of in a similar boat now with where you and I stand, but I think on different sides of the same coin when it comes to the things that we're going to talk about today, whereas you and yeah. I both consider ourselves spiritual we both know that there's something out there. We're both just kind of like yeah. figuring it out <laughs> as we go along, yeah. you know, as, as life does. And as I said before, you were the first person to invite me out to the ICOC. Yeah, I was. It was, it was great seeing the care that you had for me when I was going through a lot because I'd grown up going to church, but I kind of left that scene a while ago when my grandfather had passed. And I think the way you you talked about like the community of the church, which was something that I hadn't really experienced. And then I got to experience, it was really helpful. And then yeah. even when I got to, to really starting to grow in my relationship with God, with the people in that church, it was, it was really helpful to have your encouragement. It was really helpful to have your, your words of wisdom, or even it was just like, you know, stick with it, pray about it. You know, here's this scripture. Yeah. I think it was, it was really super helpful. So it's, it's, I don't even know how to phrase it, <laughs> but it's just really interesting that, that, that you and yeah. I are like now at a similar point 
you know, all these years later after like 10 plus years, you know, of us going to that church together. Yeah. I, I I remember uh, when I was leaving and I, I felt bad to leave without you. And I asked if you would want to leave with me. And, and I kind of felt bad asking you that though, because I knew you found a lot of love in the church and friendship and it helped you at that point in your life. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't force anybody to do anything, but I was just like, Hey, I'm leaving. If you want to come with me, you can. Mm-hmm. Cause I, you know, there's things that happened that I just didn't think were quite right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I left, but I guess we'll get into that later. Yeah. And, and, and I remember our conversation and I think it was a hard conversation to see you go, but I also was pretty confident in terms of like, this is what I need right now for my relationship with God. And so despite the things that have happened ever since then, I think it was, I think for me and my personal growth, and even for me to continually learn about the healthy aspects of a church culture, it was good for me to stay. But, you know, obviously everybody goes through different things and God ordains our footsteps in different ways. Uh, And so, you know, I never blamed you for walking away and, We'll get into that a little more about the the effects of walking away from a church culture. You know, it's not just ICOC, but it's any church culture uh, yeah. and the ramifications that happen from from being kind of enveloped into that culture and then the thoughts that come with everything that we once learned. So, yeah. So walk us through a little bit of what it meant for you to to walk away from from the church. Was it necessarily the church and God or was it just like the church or what was what was kind of like your 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 thought process more of the church uh the specific church that i was going to because i still believed in a higher power um i just was confused i was like well you know there's many different religions out there it could be any type Mm -hmm. of god out there but Mm -hmm. i believe in the afterlife i believe in there is a god somewhere you know in the universe i just started to get confused just simply because when you aren't really exposed to church like most of your life and then you get into a church, it's like, oh, we are the one true thing mm-hmm. um, when you're so young. Like when I was starting to study the Bible, I was 13 and I didn't really know what a Bible study was. I thought it was like, you know, we would all get together in a group when I was asked to do a Bible study. So mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I show up to the Bible study and it's just me and then another person I've never met before. And then my friend Mm -hmm. um, that invited me out. So I was like, Oh, so this is about me and my walk with God. And um, it's just specific to me. And I didn't know that was going to happen. And I don't know, cause I, I've just never been exposed to church really until that point. Mm -hmm. So it really affected me leaving something that I thought could have been the real thing, the real deal. Mm -hmm. But I also had a hard time believing that it was because of the extra rules that were outside of the Bible that I didn't agree with Mm. uh, that they would have. So that's about it. Just that's really what has affected my mental health is just leaving a church. that's like, okay, this is the real thing. And if you leave, you know, you're turning your back on God. You're not turning your back on us, but you're turning your back on God. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't think that I was, but, you know, I left because I was just very confused, very confused. I mean, I left when I was a teenager. Now as an adult, I can kind of look back and, and see I shouldn't have involved myself with that at such a young age. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like we said before, for the listeners who don't know about a church culture, because I think it's a lot of church cultures, they are very loving and they are very yeah. sincere in that love. And, and you know, I think there's a lot of great intentions, but we are all human. And I think there's sometimes mm-hmm. poor execution or getting kind of caught up in a church culture versus a Bible or, you know, what the church says versus what God says or stuff like that. And but for you leaving, and this is kind of where we, where we dive into the, the, the topic of today, which is mental health in regards to the afterlife and how, that, how leaving a church can play into that. You had mentioned that the church was very, like, it's our way or that's it. 
you know, and they were very clear. And as, as I can relate as well, that they did make heaven and hell very clear, uh, not necessarily like yeah. as a scare tactic, but they did draw yeah. the line. It was very black and white, you know, it's like, it's either heaven or it's hell. And these are the, you know, the ways to get in. This is salvation. These are the, mm-hmm. the marks of discipleship as, as Luke nine states, uh, and other scriptures that talk about discipleship and the cost of following God. So for you, when it came to leaving, what were some of your thoughts about the afterlife uh, and weighing that that decision based on the afterlife, not just church culture, but just simply the afterlife and thinking about that aspect? Well, um, I actually didn't think about it at the time. Hmm. It, yeah, I didn't think about about the afterlife at the time. I think it was just there was a lot going on that I didn't agree with. And, um, I just felt confused, very confused. So mm-hmm. I left and then about six months later, I started getting like scared <laughs> of, mm. I just started thinking about, thinking about it more. And that's really when everything changed. Like I was fine for six months. I was happy. I felt kind of relieved in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a better relationship with my family because obviously none of them were members and I don't know. I just felt closer to my family. I felt happier, but six months later is really when the thoughts crept in about the afterlife. Oh, what did I do? Mm-hmm. Was this the real deal? Did I leave? Did I really turn my back on God because I left that specific church? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, I still struggle with those questions even today. <laughs> like nine years later. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I think for me, when I left, that wasn't really necessarily in my mind either. I think it was kind of like this like yeah. factual piece of it that I I had talked about with, with certain people that were in the church when I was thinking about leaving, but it wasn't something that really sat in until later. But for me, this is where you and I differ in terms of like, for me, when I left and I kind of had this realization of like, oh goodness, I'm going to go to hell if I die at any time because I'm living a sinful life. I'm not looking for forgiveness. I'm not looking for an alibi. I'm not, you know, any type of, of, of religious kind of reprieve from those sins. And I kind of hit this, this point where I was like, okay, well, if I die, I'm going to hell. But for me, it was met with this apathy and it was met with like, all right, well, I'm doing this. I'm kind of, kind of doing what I love for the first time. So this is the way I go out this is the way I go out. But would you mind like letting, letting us kind of into your mind when those thoughts, when those thoughts, excuse me, started hitting, what was, what was going through your mind? What, was, what were your emotions? Well, I had my first panic attack, which was not related to those thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, actually took a medicine that was supposed to help with cramps. And it actually had caffeine in it and it made like my entire body freak out and shake. And my grandparents got really scared. I was still living with them at the time. And it was right before my 18th birthday and they, they called 911. They had no idea what was happening to me. And so they came and while that was happening, I didn't know what was happening to my body. So I had a complete panic attack and they, asked me a bunch of questions like, did you take any medicine, blah, blah, blah. And um, I was like, yeah, I took this new medicine today for the first time. And they were like, oh, let me, you know, read the label. So they were reading the label and they said, this has a ton of caffeine in it. Probably just freaked your body out. Like, do you drink coffee? Do you drink soda? And I was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't mm-hmm. drink coffee or soda or anything. So they were like, oh, you just got some sort of caffeine buzz and, you know, you just reacted to it like that. And then I had a panic attack after that. And so then I really started thinking, oh, like, what if I died? Like, what if I took a medicine and like died or something? And then I was like, well, if I died, I left a church six months ago that was supposedly like the real deal. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's when I started thinking, oh, okay. Um, Yeah. If I die at any point, yeah, I could go to hell. And uh, that's, very frightening to me. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the start of it all, really. I don't even know if, if that didn't happen. I don't even know if I would have had those thoughts mm-hmm. or not. I mean, I think eventually I would reflect on everything, but uh, that just kickstarted it for me. Gotcha. Dang, that's crazy. 
yeah, it's wild how like things that aren't necessarily like with within themselves religious or spiritual, but it's things that kind of like get those gears running back in our minds. So from there, what was your what was the mentality or like what was what were the thoughts maybe in regards to like the things you had learned in church that continually kept creeping in your mind once it had been kickstarted from that that run-in with caffeine? Well, I just started reflecting on all the things that I have done since being out of the church. And I'm like, yeah, there's there's no way I like I haven't repented of anything I've done in like six months. And I you know, I, I had a boyfriend at the time, you know, I was doing things that obviously weren't good to do before marriage, you know, in Christianity's point of view. Uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there's just a lot of things that I started doing in that six month span that I was like, yeah, there's no way, you know, I really thought there's no way I could go back because I still didn't really truly believe everything that they were doing in the church, you know, but I still thought maybe, you know, maybe they're right and I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just, I, I don't know why I just couldn't get into the mindset of, Oh, well, I just don't care. Like, I don't care about the afterlife. I don't care. Cause I, I don't know. I guess I'm just, I just, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just my anxiety that keeps pulling me back to those thoughts. I wish I could be like you. I wish I could just not really (laughs) think about it. (laughs) That would make life a lot easier, but. (laughs) Well, I think for me, it was kind of this like stubborn rebellion, you know, in Luke 15, where the prodigal son has this realization where he says like, oh my goodness, like, what have I done? Like, let me go back to my father and ask to be a servant hand. (laughs) I didn't have that moment where I was just like, (laughs) like, I like realized all the things that I was doing and I was like, okay, well. I'm already here. I'm already going to hell if I die. So in in my mind, it was like, okay, well, I'm just going to make sure I ride first class because I tried so hard as a kid to be that heaven going model Christian. And for the first time in my life, it felt like I was being really authentic. Like I was making my own choices. I could do what I want. And so when the afterlife did creep in as a thought, one, it was, it was crushing as, as a thought. I was like, oh my goodness, I have all this stuff stacked stacked against me uh when i stand before god if i stand before god but i think for me i just kind of like shut it down uh and now that i'm like Mm -hmm. thinking about a lot of stuff and like kind of deconstructing and reconstructing my relationship with god it is a lot to process because i'm like oof now it's even more (laughs) uh and even though like all sins the same and uh everyone who sins as roman says deserves death if it wasn't for jesus like there's still like that kind of thing where I'm like weighing the scales. But yeah, I think I think you know in a sense it has been a little bit of a blessing not to have any any real big mental health scares because of it. Yeah. But for you, when you and I had talked before this, uh you had talked about how you were you were diagnosed with a certain type of anxiety. Uh do you mind going into detail yes. like about that, but also how mm-hmm. thoughts of the afterlife and thoughts of church and and God played into that? Um so I have been diagnosed with health anxiety slash generalized anxiety disorder. And I've actually been on medication for it. It didn't really work. I've been counseling for it. Didn't really work. But yeah, leading up to it, it like I said earlier, um, just that one incident kickstarted everything for me. And then from then on, just constantly worrying about my health. And I'm worried about germs. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about getting sick, ill, you name it, uh, just because of death and because of the unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I just fear getting sick. I mean, it could be the littlest, tiniest thing. Like I could find like a little mole on my shoulder and think I have Mm -hmm. melanoma. It's, It's crazy how things can affect you like that. And it affects almost my daily life. Mm. I really have to suppress the thoughts of being afraid of, of getting sick or ill, which is crazy. I just, I never thought this way before. I don't know. It's just crazy how I think me being so young when I was introduced to it. And then, like I said, not going to church before that, it just really blew my mind of the church culture and church lifestyle. And 
I really just fully believed everything. I, I fully believed it. Then I started noticing things that I just didn't see was right. Things that were said to me that I had to do that weren't specifically in the Bible. And so I was like, yeah, this might not be the real thing, but I'm still forever hooked on the idea that there is something out there. And I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's weird how it affects people. I mean, I'm not going to say that the ICOC is like a cult or anything, but you see this a lot when people like leave something like that, like a, a religious mm-hmm. group that really, truly affects them. And sometimes it affects them in different ways. But for mm-hmm. me, it's just the afterlife situation and being afraid of getting sick. It's just, it's just, it's a hard thing to live with. It really is. Sometimes I just wish I never said yes. I know that sounds sad, but I wish I never said yes to going or, or Bible studies or anything. And I honestly didn't know what I was getting myself into at like 13 years old. I think that's a very young age to start mm-hmm. doing something that could be like lifelong because when you become a Christian, usually the goal is to be a Christian for the right. rest of your life. Right. And to make that decision at 13, I mean, that's a big decision to make and that's a big decision. So kind of, I kind of think that when you're in a religious group like that, I think they should wait until you're an adult to make those decisions. Because mm-hmm. I think children's minds are easily moldable. Mm-hmm. And I think if I was an adult when I encountered this church, that I wouldn't have these problems. But since I was so young, I think it really affected me because I just, you know, wholeheartedly believed all the adults at the time that were around me and believed in their wisdom and, oh, this person's been in the church for 11 years, 12 years, you know. Mm -hmm. I just, I I guess you could say, I don't want to use the word gullible, but I don't, I don't know what other word to use for myself at the time. Yeah, I just believed basically anything anyone told me at that time so until I started thinking for myself a little bit I guess we'll talk about about that yeah for sure I mean the the goal for any religion and I think for any any goal in general is always to see it to completion so walking with God that's always something that you want to make sure that you you know you make it to heaven every good person every religion usually has an end goal in mind be it enlightenment or heaven, or nirvana, you know, whatever it might yeah. be. The, the goal is to finish it. And Paul even says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And so in Christianity, the goal, it really is, like you had mentioned, is to is to run that race to completion. But sometimes mm-hmm. things don't always work out that way. And we're all human. And mental health is a very tough subject within the realm of, of Christianity and within the realm of church culture and religion. Because I've talked to people who have had mental struggles and, and battles and diagnoses. And they're their greatest victories came from staying with God. And then there are those who have had similar struggles and their victory came outside of religion. Yeah. And, and sometimes there's even issues where it's like, Hey, I didn't really experience this, but then when I left religion or something happened and now religion has created a certain anxiety or a certain mental struggle, mental battle within, within me. Uh, and so Obviously, you've been talking about how how church has kind of there was this culture, this stigma of you know this is the end all be all and and things like that. And you had mentioned how you had left the church. So talking in, in regards to things that have kind of like built to those moments of of thoughts of the afterlife. If you don't mind me asking, what were reasons why you left the church? What 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 guided your your decision? I'd say. Um... Some were selfish reasons, um, to be honest. You know, I I wanted to, you know, I got into the church so young, I wanted to experience what a normal teenager experiences and, and have mm-hmm. a boyfriend and all of that stuff. But other than that, things that I didn't feel were 
okay with, with me was that I had a lot of family problems at the time because of being in the church. Um, I was living with my grandparents and they're great and wonderful, uh, but they, they didn't approve um, because uh, I would get picked up from high school, probably like, I don't know, freshman year of high school. I would get picked up by disciples uh, or my disciples, and they wouldn't let my grandparents know. So they would just come and get me from school, and then they would, my grandparents would come to get me, and they would have no idea where I was or whatever. And they had kind of a beef with them because they wouldn't communicate with them. Like mm -hmm. my disciples or the adults that were around me wouldn't communicate with my grandparents. They just wanted to go through me. And a lot of times my grandparents didn't know where I was. Uh, and so they, mm -hmm. they had a beef with that. And so that caused some family issues. They believed in God, but they didn't believe what I was being taught. Um, so we kind of clashed with that as well. Mm -hmm. But I had some experiences with some of my disciples. I had like two or three at my time being in the church. And I just thought that there was certain things that they would say that weren't in the Bible, but were like rules that I had to follow. And I didn't understand that. Like, I remember being at a disciple's house and with another disciple of mine, and they both told me that if I took a shower longer than 20 minutes, that was being prideful and I was caring too much about my appearance. And mm. I was like, well, you know, I got to shave. I mean, <laughs> I, it might be longer than 20 minutes on those days. Right. Uh, if I want to shave my legs or something, but. Or at least not bleed when you do it. Yeah. I just thought that was so, I was like, well, where's that in the Bible? Obviously that's not the Bible. Or, you know, they would comment on the amount of makeup that I would wear, which at, you know, 15, it probably wasn't barely anything mm -hmm. um, or nowhere near to the amount of makeup that I wear now. But I don't know. I, I, I just thought that was kind of strange. And then I always felt like people, like a lot of people were talking about my struggles. Like, I don't know. I just didn't like all the huddling and whispering about like, oh, this, this sister is struggling. And like, it, it felt like everybody knew if you were struggling, it felt like a lot of people were talking about you. It felt like when you went into church, like everybody knew like what you were struggling with specifically. And there's so many disciples that I had that everybody was just talking to each other. And I just felt really down because I felt like I was always getting rebuked, but I also, also felt like I was always a people pleaser. So I was always trying to make everyone happy. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And like, I was trying to make God happy. I was trying to make the church happy, but I felt like every day there was something, there was just like something small. It, it could be the amount of mascara I was wearing. And I just thought that was a little too controlling, a little too overbearing. You know, that's not in the Bible. I, I don't know. I just had a big problem with like feeling kind of smothered with it all. And I don't think that you should feel that way, but yeah, those are the things that have loved up to me thinking, well, you know, I, I just can't do this anymore at that point. Mm -hmm. But I'm, but there, I mean, there's great people in that church. There's wonderful people in that church. Um, and I'm not speaking bad about the church or I, you know, I don't want to make it seem like everyone's like that because there's a lot of great people in the church, but a lot of people that were just surrounding themselves with me, I just felt really uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um, at the time. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. I think when you jump into a church culture and when you jump into giving God your all. So the way that Katie and I know following God to be is what the church had called discipleship. And there was a call to discipleship. It's yeah. in Luke nine and it's in a couple of the scriptures like Mark one, Luke 14. Uh, and so all of these are great applicable scriptures because it talks about what Jesus says it means to follow him. It's not just what your mom says. It's not just what your youth pastor says. It's from the Bible, what this means to follow him. And there's a scripture mm -hmm. in Luke 14, where he says, if anyone it's in verse 26, if anyone comes to me, does not hate father, mother, wife, and children, brother and sisters. Yes. Even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. 
And when you give yourself over to, to following God in every aspect, it can be quite extreme. And you give yourself over to this culture that's entirely enveloped in the church. Like all your friends become everybody that's in the church because Acts 2 talks about all the believers having everything in common. And you spend all your time with them. You want to help evangelize to the world. Matthew 28, where it talks about the Great Commission, going out into each and every nation, winning the world over for God. And none of these things are, are wrong within themselves. But for people who have left God, left the church, left a church, left religion, when you dive so headlong into that type of culture and into, into that type of lifestyle, coming out of it can be very isolating. It can be very scary because the whole world that you've known up to that point while you've been following God is no longer with you. So for yeah. me, I was baptized on February 6, 2011. I left in around March 2018 and then I left for good again around August 2018. And I remember thinking that I have given this has been my life for seven plus years. Uh, I wasn't a member of the church until 2011, but I had gone on and off since 2009 when Katie had invited me out. Yeah. And it was scary giving up everything that I had known for that amount of years so that I could find my own self and my own walk with God. And I think some of that was good intention by the church because it's like, hey, I'm not a part of this anymore. I'm not a part of that culture, so I'm just not going to see these people. But I also think there was some damage there where it's like, oh, he's no longer one of us, so yeah. we're going to continue on without him. And then I was just kind of like pushed mm -hmm. into the darkness. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of something that I want to get your thoughts on, Katie, is that when it comes to kind of being on the outside looking in and then with the church culture always being like, oh, if you're on the outside, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. For you, was that isolation a factor in in that anxiety that built when it came to death? Because you learned that like, oh, hell is darkness and despair. And then mm -hmm. now since you like lost your friends within the culture, and regrettably, mm -hmm. I was one of those friends that was lost because I stayed within the church like you had mentioned. Was that a contributing factor for you when it came to those fears and, the, and, and that anxiety? Definitely. I mean, I... I couldn't communicate with my best friends um, that I, you know, have known for many years. And I mean, I, I get, I could, I, I reached out to them, you know, several times and have hung out with some of them, but it just doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel like, I don't know, you feel like you're doing something wrong to them by exposing yourself I don't know. It's just by asking, Hey, do you want to hang out with me? Knowing that they, how they actually feel about you and in a way, you know? So yeah, it, it's very isolating when you leave and I left and all of my best friends were still in the church. And I knew leaving, I knew that I wouldn't have those strong relationships anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, like I had, uh, I knew that that was kind of the end of a lot of those relationships. And yeah, I mean, that, that definitely was a factor I'd say, because I had to go out and basically make new friends and just go out into the world kind of alone mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way. Um, I mean, I have actually reached out to a couple people that are still in the ICOC just to talk to them about my struggles. I opened mm -hmm. up to someone that I've known since I was like five years old and I actually invited her out to the church and she's still a member to this day, but um, mm -hmm. I still message her a lot and, and talk to her about, about things when I'm struggling. So she's still always there for me, which is nice, but it's just hard because in that culture, they really just view you as, oh, oh, you're not one of us anymore. So, you know, you must be out doing bad things. You might make me struggle by being around you because you might not respect, you know, my, um, my views and mm -hmm. you might expose me to something that I don't want to be exposed to. So I understand in a way why they distance themselves from people that have left, but it is sad. It is a sad thing. And I think it definitely contributed to my anxiety. Yeah. There's a, there's a friend, there's a mutual friend that you and I both have he was my best friend. Uh, even while you were still there, he quickly became my best friend. 
Uh, we were basically inseparable. And then in 2013, he left. And I remember it was this weird thing of I didn't isolate myself from him because of church culture. I think he isolated himself from us because of church culture. And it was this weird thing where it was like, from me being on the inside and wondering like, why is it, why doesn't he want to be friends anymore? Why doesn't he want to uh, contact yeah. me? Why doesn't he want to have anything to do with me? And I think now being on the outside, having that kind of like that different perspective now, I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Why he may have wanted to, because I think maybe he would have thought, well, you know, now when we hang out, he's just going to try to evangelize to me. He's just going to try to pull me back yeah. into the church. He's just going to try mm -hmm. to, you know, while I'm trying to figure these things out. And it's funny how that, that kind of goes both ways of like people in the church yeah. are like, oh, I can't be dragged into the darkness. But then the people who are on the outside, which maybe he was feeling this, I can't speak for in. him. Exactly. And that's the way I kind of felt yeah. for a little bit was like, okay, well, I don't want to be dragged back into the light. I don't want to be forcibly held there. Yeah. And I don't think either of those are like really the case. I think there sometimes are tough conversations that have to happen because it's like, hey, this is the reality of hell. This is the reality of heaven. If you look at it from this standpoint, you know, of, of the church culture, even even the Bible, you know, like yeah. God does make it very black and white. I don't know. It's just, it's just really interesting to think through that. And the reason that we were having this podcast and the reason that I was really excited to have you on here, Katie, was that to be able to talk about both sides and how people can fight to love one another through whether you're in the church or whether you're out of the church, because anxiety and depression and mental health is always going to be a struggle, whether you're in the church, whether you're out of the church, whether it's a cause by the oh, yeah. church or a personal effect. I went through some very depressive times. I was never officially diagnosed, but my grandfather died my freshman year. That was a matter of life that pushed me into some really dark places uh, and it wasn't caused by the church. Yeah. Uh, for you, it's kind of like this thing wasn't your, your health scare wasn't necessarily done by the church, but things you had learned in the church culture yeah. kind of perpetuated yeah. that anxiety uh, even further, yeah. even beyond health scares. So now a question that I have for you would be, was there certain things that people did that showed you great love that would have been really helpful for them to show you even after you decided to leave? Yeah, um, I guess just more communication and more acceptance of, okay, you felt this way. Uh, I'm sorry that we made you feel this way or, or something like that, uh, but we still love you. We still care about you. Um, we still, you know, want to see you from time to time and things like that. That would have been nice and helpful from people that I really, truly cared about mm -hmm. and they, there there have been a couple like I said but most I haven't had contact with that I would still have liked to have contact with because they were great people otherwise so yeah that's how I feel about that yeah I think being inside of the church you learn these ideas and you learn these scriptures that are talking about loving one another regardless of of where they stand Jesus loved the tax collectors. He loved the sinners. He loved the adulterous woman. He loved the sinful woman mm -hmm. who came and, and cried uh, on his feet and washed uh, his feet with her hair, which is very controversial at the time. And to be told to always love the lost, it's hard when you become the lost and you no longer feel mm -hmm. that love. And right now yeah. I'm speaking to you listeners, if you're still in the church, if you've never thought about walking away from God, if you've ever had a friend walk away from God, this is really important to hear because we're still humans that deserve love. Yeah. Jesus's love and Jesus's commandments to love one another doesn't stop when somebody decides to walk away from church. If you love sinners only to bring them into the church, Where's the love? Yeah. Exactly. And I think it's really important for us to, to talk about that and to get that conversation going and for even listeners to ask themselves, even if you're not religious, asking yourself, why do I love people? Or what's the root of why yeah. I love people? You know, exactly. it's, it's. Yeah. That's how I felt too about leaving. Yeah. Because I would think about that too. Like what was the root of certain people? in the church loving me and it was all just because I was 
in the church, I feel, uh, because when I left, like, just no communication. I mean, there's people I messaged and just nothing. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. And then you don't reach out anymore after that if they don't respond because you're just like, well, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. But, yeah, we're still humans. Um, you know, we're still humans. We, we still would probably would like to have those relationships. I know it can't be the same, and it would never be the same after leaving. But we still want that same love or just a little bit of it. Cause if, if we're in the church together and you're like, Oh, I love you. Like every day hugging me on Sundays and Wednesdays and like, Oh, I love you sister. And then you leave or I leave and then nothing, just no more love. It's just kind of weird. You know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's sad. Yeah. And for you going through anxiety and then, for anybody who has mental health struggles, when this is the world that you've known for X amount of time, we still need those relationships. We still need people that are going to love yeah. us. Even though we may have walked away from God, if you're listening to this and you have a friend who's walked away from God and you're still in a church and you're still really fully going after God, don't get it twisted. We still need y'all. We still yeah. need help. And it's not that we're going to drag you into darkness. It's not that we're going to, no. you know, be like, hey, you need to leave. You need to get out. Oh, my gosh, there's so much danger here. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people thought I was doing that when I first left. Mm -hmm. But honestly, what we need is still that love. We still need Jesus's love. Maybe you hold off mm -hmm. a little bit on the like, hey, you're going to hell. Because at the end of the day, people will know that you're disciples by your love for one another and then by your love mm -hmm. for the lost. That's what Jesus preached. He yeah. didn't preach, love the people that love you or love the people that are coming out. What profit is, is that to you? That's Matthew 5. You know, he's talking about loving your enemies. So I think that's really important that, that, we, can, that we strive to love people on past where we stand with God because mental health is a, is a real big thing. And some people go through a lot when leaving the church and we need people who, you know, who will support and will give us that godly love even when we do leave. Oh, yeah. For sure. I wanted to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. um, so when you left, you said you left in March and you came or you left in March and then you left in August. What happened in those months between March and August? That's a great question. And that's a question that I think listeners who know me may not know the full story about. So I left in March because I started to feel the insincerity I had cut off a possible relationship because I felt inauthentic and I realized that the way that I was living in accordance to like, just my heart wasn't in, into my acts of, of, of worshiping God. And I realized that I couldn't lead someone properly in a relationship with God. So I ended that. I didn't handle it correctly. Uh, and I, I, that is something that I've had to live with and something that, you know, kind of haunts me. But I left in March because I was like, I need to figure this out. I don't know if it's the church or if it's my walk with God or if it's my faith. And I had had this talk with the church leader. I went to different churches. I talked to different people. I tried sinful things like drinking and smoking and sex and all these different things. And I realized that those things weren't exactly fulfilling. And I longed for that sense of community that I had within the church. And so it wasn't a matter of like the afterlife, but I think there was this kind of depression of like, oh, I feel really alone. And this is yeah. a move of comfort. And so I came back, not because I loved God, but because I was like, I'm, I'm scared. Like I'm legitimately scared to be out on my own. I don't have the confidence in myself. I don't believe that even God would take care of me if I was in the world. You know, because mm -hmm. he promises that he'll always love us. He'll always guide us. He marks the footsteps. Mm -hmm. But I didn't necessarily believe that. And so I was like, okay, let me go back to what I know. And then the insincerity that never really left and was never truly addressed came back in full, full form. And then again, in August, I made that decision of I'm just following the church. I'm just following these rules. I haven't enjoyed my personal times with God in months uh, and I made the decision to leave and I talked with a church leader and it was a really sad conversation. It was a really sobering conversation, but we ended as best as we could. 
with with what happened so i think for me the decision to leave and then come back and then leave again was like a matter of just like i need to need to buckle down and really face myself <laughs> really really yeah. look at look at myself in the mirror and go after that with just me and god and that's what happened okay wow well thank you for letting me know mm-hmm. for letting mm-hmm. us know <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah i it was tough because I still have all this knowledge and I still have all this desire to see people grow authentically. And I remember having conversations with people who had also thought about leaving the church. And I said, listen, if you feel authentic, if you feel like this is what you can do and really worship God sincerely, stay in the church, go after it, recklessly pursue God in the realm of ICOC, in the realm of God, in the realm of church, wherever, whatever it is you may choose. But if yes. you feel insincere, if you feel inauthentic, you owe it to yourself to figure that out. I think at the end of the day, if your mental health becomes affected by the church, you got to figure that out. And if the way to heal is to leave, you know, I'll always stand by it. Then leave and get your, get yourself the help that you need and be authentic in your walk with God. If you decide to come back, if the church can help you, which I've heard stories that it has with mental health, then stay in there, do it, fight for it. I'll love you. I'll support you. I'll send you like, Words of encouragement, like <laughs> the scriptures haven't left my mind. I, I have I have a pretty good spiritual yeah, uh, bank <laughs> in the old noodle oh, yeah. still. Um, <laughs> but for me and in regards to mental health, I'll always say do, it, do what's best for you, whether it's God or it's outside of God. Yeah. So for me, I realized that what was best for me was to leave, leave the church. I spent time away from God and now here I am learning what it means to to have my own relationship with God, if that's something I want to pursue. And then from there deciding if I want to pursue it. Yeah. I think it was best for me to leave um, as well, but I just, it's hard because then I I wouldn't have this anxiety uh, if I didn't, but I wouldn't feel right and authentic if I stayed. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's hard it's just it's just kind of some wounds that still need to heal over time and hopefully i'm hopeful that you know i will eventually um heal from it yeah of course and everybody has their own walk everybody has their own timing with god god operates outside of a church he operates outside of a steeple he operates outside of our own understanding and so your path is different from mine, which is different from another friend that I've talked to who is looking to be on here, who is different from a friend that I've talked to years ago. So God's got it. <laughs> At the end yeah. of the day, whether you believe that you have to be in a certain type of church or you can do it outside of it, God's got it. And the church, the, the Bible is clear when it comes to like being a part of a body. I think that is important if you're looking to follow God. Mm-hmm. But God's got you and he'll be glorified no matter what's going to happen, whether it's us falling flat on our face, kind of like the prodigal son, or it's (laughs) us just being like falling flat on our face before him, like Peter and the the apostles who doubted and then living a life that really was faithful from that point. So I don't know. I think it it all just, it all comes down to, you know, chasing that sincerity and sometimes mental health is, is a part of that. Yeah. So with all of this heavy talk of making sure that we can love one another uh, and then also the struggle of mental health after leaving church, whether you think about the afterlife or you think about righteousness versus sin or just the way life was within the church. Katie, what advice could you give to someone who has left the church and is now struggling with, with thoughts of the afterlife of life and sin uh, what's some what's some words of comfort or or sources of encouragement that you can give to them? Um, for me, it's a lot of family support. So if you have a supportive family, I would definitely go to them first and and talk to them. Um, but if you don't, uh, there's a lot of different things that you could do. Something that helps me is just simple things like de-stress like as much as you possibly can mm-hmm. uh, listen to music go for a run uh i don't know start eating healthier just get your mind off of the negative 
thoughts that you have. And yeah, and if, if you have someone to reach out to, if you have a family member or a friend, then, then definitely do that because it's nice to have someone to talk to. That's what I would say to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. It It is a dangerous place to go down when you start thinking about the afterlife and sin and righteousness because it's such a broad topic that it's easy to get lost yeah. in the concepts of it. Like mm-hmm. what is going to happen here? What's, you know, all these different things. And there's even a scripture in the Bible where it talks about death will come like a thief in the night. Like we don't know when our time is going to be up. It is in Matthew 24, verse 36. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. As it was in the days of Noah, so will be at the coming of the son of man. For the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, talking about Noah's ark where the earth was flooded because God deemed it so sinful that he had to start again. They knew nothing about what would happen up until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two men, two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day our Lord will come. And so what Katie said is really important when it comes to de-stressing and taking time away, finding a hobby, talking to somebody, because it is important to talk about these thoughts, but it's also really important that you don't get lost in these thoughts either because they can consume you. And that's when anxiety does take over. That's when depression does take over. That's when emotional decisions begin to take over. And we do things that aren't necessarily healthy or best for us, or even sometimes not even what God would want. Uh, so it is important, like you said, Katie, to really make sure we, t- we take care of ourselves in those times. Oh, yeah. And then on the flip side of that, for someone who is still in the church and they have somebody, they know someone who has recently left or has left in general, Katie, what advice could you give to someone in the church on how to best be there and best love someone who may be going through mental health battles, but is outside the church? Um, I would say just check up on those people. Um, If they're truly, you know, your friend and you really do love them, I would definitely check up on them and really ask how they're doing. But I would kind of steer clear of saying anything to do with God at the moment. Just focus on hey, are you okay? Do you need to talk? Um, I'm here for you. I still love you. I hope you're okay. You know, things like that. But then if you, if you listen to them talk and then you're like, hey, come out Wednesday, we got this thing. That's probably the last thing they want to hear just because uh, they'll think, oh, the only reason you talked to me was to invite me out to this event and you, didn't, you weren't really sincere when you were listening to my struggles. Mm. So um, like if they want it, if they want truly want to come back and, and there are people that do and they do come back, they'll do it on their own time if that's what they want to do. But if they don't, then, then that's probably not what they want to hear. Um, so that's my advice. Just really, truly be there for those people that you love that have left and um, really listen and be sincere about everything. Yeah, that's fantastic advice to be able to love people and also to make sure that you don't go on the offensive about heaven and hell right from the gun. Because a lot of people who have left church, that's already on their mind. That's probably the reason that they might be struggling with mental health. Mm -hmm. And so Colossians 4 says, verse 5, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so being wise and making the most of every opportunity is also realizing and being wise in the fact that like, I don't need to bring up condemnation right now. I don't need to bring up the fact that this person will go to hell if they die, because more Mm -hmm. than likely they're already thinking that. And that's why they reached out to you for help in the first place. That's why they need someone to be a listening ear. Being wise is learning how to time, when to speak truthfully, when to bring up these hard topics, but also when to love when to be silent and be a listening ear. Uh, There was another person that I had talked to recently 
who had mentioned being a heart with ears. And that is oftentimes what somebody who goes through mental struggles really needs. So if you're in the church, if you're striving to love someone who has left, whether they're a close friend or just somebody that you knew, if you know they're going through something, be wise, make the most of every opportunity. And that includes when to listen and when to speak. For sure. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you so much for being vulnerable about your life and what it was like to leave church and church culture and then the struggles that have obviously come with it. Thank you. I know a lot of listeners will have a lot of different, a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different perspectives. They may even have questions. I'm sure there's something mm-hmm. in here that everyone can take a piece of, even if they're still following God oh, yeah. and learning how to, how to best love people who have left or who have mental struggles that are similar to yours. If there's anyone who is out there listening who wants to know a little more, or maybe just wants to share their story with you, where can they reach you? Um, I'd say Instagram, probably. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I guess Instagram. The, my Instagram name uh, is Halloween underscore mom. And uh, you can shoot me a DM. Yeah, that's, that's one thing actually that's gotten me by. Like My obsession was fall. Like I love fall. So just focusing on that is really nice. Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you can shoot me a DM on Instagram and I like that. I like to talk to anyone that is struggling or maybe you're still part of the church and you just want to talk. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. This is such a, a broad topic that I think you have a lot of one experience, but also thoughts about, and I think it'd be great if yeah. you as listeners have any questions about any of this stuff. Katie's an open book. I know I'm an open book, but she probably has a lot better knowledge on this than I do. So go ahead and, and give her a message on Instagram. I'll leave her info on the page on my Instagram page of the podcast, but also the podcast page on Facebook. Give that a like. Go follow those. That way you can stay up to date on the next podcast that comes out as we continue to talk about different topics and how it affects our relationship with God, how we view God from those different topics and what we go through. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.